pinch punch, first day month, oh. and no return. Yeah. Now. <laughs> did it again, didn't you? Yes, I did. So yesterday, which should have been when we did the podcast, was the first day of March, and I did get you. Mm. Yes, well done. Well done. So we're actually recording on the 2nd of March, to be honest with you. It's a day later it is. than we normally do. Why is it late? Well, all sorts of reasons. I mean, we are no longer in Malaysia. Dun, da, dun, 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 dun. We'll talk about a bit more of uh, what we've been up to this week in a moment. I just wanted to say, being the audio visual nerd, yes. we are recording under some extremely trying conditions today. Oh, yes. We are at anchor by Nunakand. We will talk more about that in a moment. But it's a busy port town. We have ferries shooting past us. And so if you're watching this on video and you see me lurch forward and grab a camera, that is why. Oh, we... can I just point something else out about those, those ferries? Yes. We've got a catamaran just opposite us and he's rocking as well. Oh, don't start. <laughs> oh, there she is. She's got the wooden spoon out already. <laughs> We've got locals running backwards and forwards, fishermen, curious locals. Yes, I don't think they've seen a foreign boat for a very long time. Yeah, and just a moment ago, just before we started uh, recording, someone with a chainsaw yep. decided to start revving up. Um, you know, it wouldn't be an Indonesian anchorage without a chainsaw somewhere in the distance, would it? Yeah, chopping down the rainforest. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, so yes, Nunukan is where we are, but... This is a week after we recorded our last podcast and a lot's gone on, hasn't it? Mm. And I just want to say, for me, it's on two levels. It's us leaving one country and getting to another and all that that entailed. But we cannot ignore the fact that Russia has invaded Ukraine oh. and it has been uppermost in our mind with all our friends and family back in Europe. We did say right at the beginning we weren't going to do politics on yeah. this podcast, especially if it's not related to what we're doing. But as you say, it's every morning we wake up when we get connection, check the news, see what the updates are. It's very sad. Of course, you know, you, you even have ex-relatives. I do. My brother's um, wife, they're still married, although they're separated. She is Ukrainian. Mm. So my brother is very, very invested in this and extremely upset by it. He lives in Mallorca. She is at the moment in Moscow and she can't get anywhere with her Ukrainian passport, so she's a bit worried. Yeah, and she um, won't be able to get anywhere with her Russian rubles either. She won't, no, because all the sanctions and everything that's gone on. So we're not going to make this about no. that whole thing, but we just want everyone to, to realise that our potty little podcast about what we're doing over here pales into insignificance when it comes to what's happening in the world, particularly in Russia and Ukraine. It does, but I think perhaps also some people want to listen to this podcast as an escape from all that. I agree, and that's so, why we're doing it yes. as well. So I think we should uh, bore people with our escapade. Yes, so they can get away from all that for a minute yes. or two. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, you're leading this yeah. uh, because I wasn't able to get online and check any... Well, I checked the comments, but I, normally we download the comments so we can then digest them a day before doing the podcast. Yeah. I haven't been able to do that because I've been up to all sorts of other things. Yeah, so the interesting thing with the comments is that what we normally do is we go through all the YouTube comments, Facebook, Instagram, obviously FDB Mates and Patreon and our blog, and that's where they all come from. And occasionally we get some even on Twitter difficult this time because as we've moved from Malaysia to Indonesia all kinds of things happen with our sim cards. Mm. 
Are we on roaming? Are we not on roaming? Can we still get a Malaysian connection? Can we not? Uh, yes, it's a little bit confusing. And also we should say, I should say to you, we need to try and make this podcast half an hour only because last week's was a much longer one. And while I don't have a problem with that, and hopefully the listeners don't have a problem with that, uh, it does mean uploading becomes more difficult because okay. obviously it's a bigger file size. Okay, so we'll, we'll make it fast and snappy. Yes. Which isn't really the way I do things, but we can try. Hello, I'm Liz. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Follow the Boat, in which we discuss what it's really like to give it all up to live on a boat. And go travelling around the world. We've been doing it since 2006 and we're still at it. Each week we talk about our latest YouTube videos. And about boats, sailing, travel or anything else which floats into our heads. And if you leave a comment we like, we'll give you an answer and a name check. Peace Peace and and fair fair winds. We've talked about Ukraine and Russia, so we're going to leave it at that. And we're going to move on to perhaps happier things, which is basically us finally leaving Malaysia, getting to Nunukan in Indonesia, which was the destination that we haven't been able to talk about for a while. That's right. So we kept saying we couldn't give our location because of security, and that is because we have been traveling down the east coast of Sabah, which is notorious for uh, various incursions and problems uh, with the neighboring islands. And as we have alluded to, we have had ESCOM with us, the Eastern Sabah Security Maritime Organization, which is a combination of Coast Guard, police, Air Force, Navy, Navy, and anyone else who wears a uniform. Yes. They accompanied us the whole way, the entire trip, Mm. which we weren't expecting. We Mm. knew that we would be giving them our coordinates every day. We knew that we couldn't uh, travel at night. No one's allowed to sail in Eastern Sabah at night because it is a dangerous area. So we plotted out our anchorages and and our dates that was all done, and lo and behold, we had the boats with us the whole way, which was a real bonus, and it alleviated any anxiety that might have been there. Yep, definitely. We yes. fed them, we didn't, but one or two of the boats caught some barracuda, which they didn't want to eat, so they were able to give those, <laughs> those to yes. the boys, which is nice. They always appreciated the odd barracuda, because uh, they obviously have bases at each of the anchorage, they'll have a base which will either be a marine police base or they will at least know perhaps the local fishermen ashore where they know they can take their barracuda and get it barbecued on the beach or in a little local restaurant. So they're always grateful for that. Um, But of course the journey wasn't without its stresses as we we knew would happen. And well, we talked previously about the issue we had with Esper, which is going to be up and coming in in one of our vlogs. But the biggest issue was would we be able to check in i know and to be honest we're still not 100 percent checked in that is correct so we've uh, we've left malaysia so the main thing is that we've checked out of malaysia our worry was always always that we're going to check out and then we're not going to be able to check in because as things developed and omicron became what it is things changed in Indonesia and they suddenly made getting in more difficult. Even though we'd been issued with our visas some time ago, we knew there were going to be problems when we got here. Yes, because the Indonesian government has designated a number of ports which are recognised ports of entry which have all of the testing gear to allow you to get your PCR test on arrival and so on. And of course, not all ports are geared up for this, so they reduce the list of available ports of entry right down. Now, 
To basically barley. Yes. <laughs> that was the option we were given. 1,200 <laughs> miles away. away. Now, I think we should address that because I suspect some armchair sailors may say, well, why not just go to Bali? Oh, yes. Well, to, my answer to Lots that Lots of reasons. Is, it would be great, yes. Two things. First of all, it's in the wrong direction. It's actually taken us all the way back round to where we started in Jakarta, literally one island down from Java. But the other issue is, is that we would be travelling a thousand or so miles through Indonesian waters without having checked in, which basically means officially nowhere to land, nowhere to provision, nowhere to refuel. Um, so we do know people who have travelled these kind of distances under these circumstances. I'm thinking of a couple in particular, but they do boat deliveries. So for them, it was a case of just get through Indonesia quickly. But of course, why on earth would we want to travel 1,200 miles without stopping anywhere? And to be honest, we don't know anyone who's done it, done it from here. No. People have done it from, say, the Straits, Singapore, which is, you know, that's not so bad. But from here, it's a, it's a whole other ball game. And the reason we came here was, well, obviously we had to leave Malaysia because of the visa issue. We needed to get out and Indonesia had opened. And we thought, well, this is an opportunity to go somewhere very different. So yeah. Sulawesi is our destination. The idea being that we can we can spend some time in a very unusual place we've never been to, don't know anyone else who's, who's been there, well, we know one or two, um, discover a completely new place and then get ourselves back to Sabah and then continuing on the planned journey of Philippines and then Japan. If we go to Bali, we're completely the opposite way. And if anyone's not sure about the size of Indonesia, if you look yeah. at a map, you'll just see how absolutely huge it, it is, is. It and is. what an area it covers from mm. west to east. Mm. So, yeah, so the idea really is that we want to spend two or three months um, travelling around Sulawesi, possibly going to Raja Ampat. Oh, I think we've got some fish out there. Bit of, bit of disturbance, yeah. that's another boat that's gone past. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe get to Raja Ampat. We will, we're not going to put anything in stone at the moment, we're going to suck it and see. We might get somewhere that we think is fantastic and stay a little bit longer. We're not sure, really. Well, we don't even know where we're going after this anchorage. No. Uh, because remember, we are with people who are trying to get back to their home countries. So for them, this is less of a little stop off at every anchorage and discover a place and spend a week here or there if they fancy it. They have a, a schedule. Oops. Oh, dear. Deary me, that's me again. <gasps> Uh, they have a schedule which doesn't allow them to dilly-dally because of the seasons. Yes, yeah, so we've got one boat going to Australia and one boat going to New Zealand. That's right. Um, I think the, the, the third boat, Fresno, I'm not sure if he's going back to Australia or not. Well, I know his destination is Bali. Is Bali, so first, he's cool. And then Australia. Yes, and then there's just us and one other boat that want to go back to Sabah. Yeah, but we have to consider the wind. So we've got yeah. these northeasterlies coming across the Sulu Sea, but they are variable. So the question is, do we go all the way down to the, the northwest corner of Sulawesi, <clears throat> excuse me, and then hug the coast along the top? Which makes sense. Not that there's many places to stay in that first half, that first, what, 150, 200 miles. But if you have prevailing northeasterlies, that makes the wind much tighter than were you to leave from where we are now, so you'd get a better angle on the wind. So all of these things have yet to be discussed. I'll tell you what I think about leaving from here. I think that's daft. I think we're far too dangerous waters still here. We're far too close to Jolo and all those islands. We have to go south. I would suggest there's a third option, 
which is in order to get to Bitung, B-I-T-U-N-G, if anyone wants to look that up, where the Lembe Strait is, uh, which is our kind of goal, the alternative would be to go all the way round Sulawesi. That would take us across the equator to different winds. The whole of the west coast of uh, Sulawesi is full of anchorages. There's lots to do there. But then I'm not. And then you'd also you'd get to that fantastic place at the bottom on the north on the southeast where there's a beautiful. Yeah. But uh, you know we need to look at uh, winds basically. Yes. And here comes a very noisy boat. <laughs> So we'll, we'll let it pass. That's a typical local boat full of local people. Local they local are. Local people in a local boat. And they come as close to the boat as possible just to see if they can get a little glimpse. But as you can see, we've dropped all the blinds so they can't see in. They, can't, well, they might be able to see us because we've got these lights on. I don't oh, know. Yeah, but they just really want to wave and shout hello. And yeah. that's fine. It's cool. It's, you know, it's friendly. So the, the problem with your idea of going down the west yeah. coast of Sulawesi is that we haven't really looked at the winds. And I'm not entirely sure what they do down through that gap between Kalimantan and, um, and Sulawesi. Well, and, then, and then further on from there, what happens where you go to go round anti-clockwise and up? To yeah, that, that's, that that, I think that's the more challenging bit because we would be going down, uh, no, down south over the equator and we know that the winds on the equator are light. They're never, there's no monsoons, there's no prevailing winds. It's, so, yeah. It's, I know that I will be outvoted. I always come up with slightly alternative plans and nobody ever wants to do that. So my, but, but my opinion will be... Yes, but hold on. You're, you're saying we because we have been travelling with other boats, but we are now at that point where we don't have to. Well, I'm glad you think that because that's what I think. I don't think we necessarily need to keep chugging on just because two or three boats want to. Yeah. We're now on our own. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll sleep on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think what we need to do is have a really good look, don't we, at the charts. And we've got a cruising pilot, no, a cruising guide. <laughs> it's both, isn't it? To Indonesia, yeah, so that there, there'll be some advice in there. And i tell you what is in there that's really good. They do show the prevailing winds throughout the year, so that actually will help us. Okay. Yeah. Can I just get off my chest my fridge? Go our, on, our, yeah, our go on. fridge problems. Yeah. Our fridge has decided to pack up. Oh, no not the portable freezer that you've seen that's doing great guns well let's not at the moment <laughs> touch wood no the fridge has decided to just i don't know what's what's gone on it's obviously i guess lost gas and so i'm now trying to regas it in order to identify if there is a leak the problem with this is it's a very slow process and it's normally a sort of thing that you do when you've got shore power so at night time i have to turn the whole thing off because of power and then I have to start all over again, by which time the plate's warmed up in the morning. And we have a fridge full of food, which is, we do. you know, it's, if we're not careful, it's, we're going to lose it. It's starting to go. My yoghurt was a bit dicey this morning, um, separated out, but I've mixed it back together. We've got apples and things like that in there, which are fine, but they'll have to come out of the fridge because as long as that's closed, they're just going to get musty. So yeah. they need to probably come out. We've got lots of cheese. I'm putting as much as I can in the freezer and using anything that in there at the moment that we can cook. Yeah, anyway, it's a real bloody pain in the backside. It is. And whoever said that owning a boat is boat maintenance in tropical yeah. paradise anchorages pretty much hits the nail on the head, to be honest, because we are in a beautiful little spot here. Yeah. Coping with this 
bloody fridge problem. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get it sorted, we we can live without it. Yeah. Just that it's just dealing with what's in there at the moment. We can live without it. The freezer, we wouldn't would have been horrible if we hadn't had the freezer. I think at that point I would have turned around and <sighs> got gone somewhere. We did speak to one of the authorities yesterday who came round yes. to do our paperwork, and they did say there are AC refrigeration guys yeah. ashore who may be able to help. Once again, I'm calling on the expertise of Ian of Icy Red, who has the same freezer, a fridge, same fridge, yeah. and has done this whole procedure many times because the last time I gassed the fridge was literally 15 years ago. It was a long time ago and I, I've, I'm having to re-remind myself as, the, as to the whole procedure. Um, the problem is I can't find out if there is a leak until I put gas in it. Yeah, so at the moment you're just trying to get back to normal to then just <laughs> determine what the problem was in the first place. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Well, we're not going to do anything else. We have to do three days minimum quarantine here. So yesterday we had the PCR test, the one up the nose, the one down the back of the throat. Made you gag. It did. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one we got done in Tawau, that one, I swear, tickled my brain. Uh, the one yesterday... It wasn't that long. <laughs> it wouldn't have found your brain. No. Uh, but the one yesterday was uh, not as bad up the nose, but down the gob, yes, I did gag. <laughs> They were all looking at me, expecting me to do something, and I didn't. And they all said, oh, very good. And I said, yes, because I'm a woman, we're used to pain. They all laughed. <laughs> yes. There's a little... Anyway, yes, and we won't go there. Why, why you didn't gag, but anyway. Oh, yeah, there is that one as well, of course. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Yes. So, yeah, so we've had our PCR tests. Uh, they were done on board. We are now not allowed to leave the boat, and we can't even get off to go and see any of our friends on the other boats. So we're all here isolated. We have got a little bit of uh, roaming on our phones so we're able to talk to each other via WhatsApp and things like that and of course we've got the radios. So I think most of us are just taking this time to relax, get a few jobs done. Obviously you've got the fridge thing that you're trying to sort out. Well I've also got the other B&G repeater so yes. uh, that was another stressful situation. Yeah. We had to buy another repeater. So the two repeaters and I think this appears in this coming vlog, actually. Okay. You'll see them. The, L the LCD in them had gone. Yeah. And a new one is a princely sum of 500 quid, which is not something we have knocking around. But we decided we definitely needed just to replace yeah. one of them. Good old credit cards. Yeah. So we got one shipped from Sarah in Lankawi, who runs a chandlery there. And she was able to get it to Alvin. And that's when the problem started. It yes. kind of... He's in KK and he had to then get it to Tawau. Tawau, yes. Along with Sue and Ian's big parcel yeah, as well. Yeah, well, they've got a VHF and um, what was the other thing? Autopilot. Autopilot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we did manage to get it in time. But I'm now having to take all the displays out. Yes. Uh, and of course, it's a different mount. It's yep. a different backing system so I've now got to cut out into our little cockpit box to accommodate this new display so that's another job I've got to get on with. I think you should do that first because you know how to do that and it will be great and it will work. We've already, you because you already um, fit, put it together to check yeah. it and it looks great. It does work. So that'd be nice if you get a job like that done and finished and you're able to that might yeah. cheer you up a bit. Yes. Sorry for interrupting, but while I've got you here, if you like what we do and you want to support us and become a Patreon or join us on FTB Mates or even drop a quid in the rum fund, 
go to followtheboat.com forward slash pub. Of course, come to the pub. So we are already halfway through because this is a slimline 30 minute oh version God. only. OK, so I'm going to very quickly talk about um, things that were raised in, in comments and, and, and whatever you have to say about what, them, do. What, what was the video? I've forgotten. So the one that went out on Sunday night, our Sunday night, was episode 291 called Starting Our oh, New yeah. Adventure. Yes. And I was just trying to think how long ago that, because I think we're now quite close to time. Now we're here, but it didn't take that long. Uh, when we started to no. get here, it's only two or three weeks, yep. so our main videos are not that far behind. So yeah, that was all about starting our new adventure and um, there were a few comments, mostly were saying, hooray, great, we're so pleased to see you moving, say da 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 da. But I thought David Brayshaw was quite funny on YouTube, he said, fantastic, I'd almost forgotten this was a sailing channel rather than a lockdown survival channel. Mm -hmm. So true, David. Mm. So yes, yeah, so thanks to everybody for all those lovely good luck messages. We really appreciated them. There wasn't um, much I, that I particularly wanted to pick up on, but there were a couple of comments on the vacuum sealer. Yep. Do you remember we talked about that and it showed me using it? Um, so the first one, Rialuli on YouTube, the vacuum sealer, something else it's good for is important documents that you don't need to access all the time. If air can't get in, water can't either. Mm, it's a good idea, actually. I mean, I suppose in a long passage, you could vacuum pack your passports. I think it's a brilliant idea because, you know, on the top shelf in my office, I keep quite a lot of our documents and we've lost so many over the years because that little hatch sometimes doesn't get closed and I've got a lot of things that have been waterlogged mm. so I quite like that idea um, and I'm going to look into yeah. perhaps doing a few things yeah maybe the passports but they're usually pretty secure so other things but yeah I like that idea thinking outside the box not just doing it for food but the one <laughs> the one that uh, is really interesting from Gavin Reynolds who then followed it up. Sad to see your new vacuum sealer and all the single-use plastic after all your plastic campaigning. Mm. Got, got anything to say on that? Well, I, I, the only thing I have to say on that is I know how you responded, which is to say it's not single-use plastic. Yeah. We're actually very careful. You can reuse this plastic. Yeah. So what happens is the machine makes a seal across the top. And if you're very careful, when you open it up, if you cut just beneath that seal, yeah. It then uh, we then wash up the bag when we finish using it, and we can reuse it. Yes. So of course there is that bit of plastic that you've cut off. Yes. That will have only been used once. Correct. And I kind of a bit ambivalent about this because I do I do agree with him that we don't want single-use plastics. It's not good for the planet. I agree with all that. But my point is that plastic itself is not evil. It's the way that we dispose of it. I saw that part of your reply and I have yeah. to say that's a very good point. And it's, yeah. a, it's a point that a lot of people, when we you know, go on about plastic, yeah. a lot of people say exactly that. It, it's the, not, plastic isn't the issue yes. that per se. I mean, okay, a world without plastic would be nice, but that's never going to happen. It's been invented and it's going to, you can't uninvent it. And it's in everything. We, we do find plastic uh, reusable Tupperware boxes and what have you, all of that kind of thing, very, very useful. Well, we live course. in a bl bloody plastic boat. <laughs> well, this is very true. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, no, it's a difficult... I think our campaigning is not anti-plastic, it's anti-pollution. Yes. So we see plenty of things in the sea. It is floating past, as we are seeing right mm -hmm. now. Yep. 
which are plastic, but they're, they're floating past us here because people have not been educated over here on how to dispose of their plastic. They don't have any garbage trucks, they don't have street bins or anything like that. So in the West, where we would rather stab ourselves and drop a plastic box in the road, that just doesn't exist here. So it's, it's about education as much as anything. And I know you, I mean, you can go on and on and on. You can talk about all oh, the West dumps all its, you know, what they actually do with their plastic. But it, I don't think it's plastic that's the evil. I think we need to get away from that. And I think we need to work out how the planet is going to survive with plastic. So, yeah, I, I do take your point. However, vacuum sealing really works for us and I'm not going to give it up. <laughs> yep, point well made. Okay. So really the rest of the episode was just about us starting out yeah. and uh, it was just the, the feeling of being back on, that, on the water and starting that uh, adventure was, was great. Even though we didn't have any wind, but we knew that was going to be the case because going up that coast of northwest Borneo, northeast to the tip, uh, the wind, of course, is prevailing northeasterly, so it was yeah. going to be on the nose anyway. But just, just to get out there and, ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wonderful, eh? Yeah, and to go a little bit further than we have been in two and a half years. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, so we've now got the slowest and noisiest boat in the harbour going past. Uh, <laughs> Actually, yes. it's not too noisy. No, he's having a, a good old look. He's okay. Bless him. Yeah. So um, on the on the last podcast, we covered a whole load of different top topics. There were lots of things. I just pulled out a few things. Firstly, a few people have commented on the cockpit setup. So this won't mean anything to people who are only listening. But if you're watching, people have asked, talked about the netting, and they have assumed it's bug netting that they're seeing. Um, so here we go, that's la la la. Tom Kiefer on YouTube. Looks a long way offshore to have the bug netting up. And then mm -hmm. James419 on YouTube. Watching podcasts this evening, it looks as if you're on a studio set, the background is still and perfect with back projecting on the netting. John Dawes on Patreon. Why is the black mesh around the cockpit? For bugs? Shade? Did you already cover this in the video? And am I late to the game? Well, John, actually, no, you didn't miss anything because no. we never really discussed it, no. did we? No. So when we got the Dodger made, we employed the services of a highly sought after um, machinist who specialised in blinds and what have you for boats. This was in Thailand, in Phuket, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So for those who are watching, and we won't bore the people who are just listening, but we have this rail that runs all the way around and this allows us to run these various blinds through the rails and hold them in place. They are sun shades, effectively. It's entirely for sun and it's it they sun. are brilliant. They do a great job. They're black. And they have 90% shade, which means they keep out 90% of the light. When you watch these videos with these, so we've got two spots on inside, which is why it's so bright for us. It gives this strange projection because you can still see outside. But as one of those commenters pointed out, it almost looks like it's superimposed. Yeah, it does. It is, and this isn't quite as pretty as last week's, but yeah, you can probably see all of this, can't you? This cloudscape. This was never intentional, but it's actually worked out really well. But the point is, with these shades, we don't have them drop down like this. No, I think particularly the back one is the important one to say. So the one that's that's shielding the, the backdrop here is normally straight out. It's just a, a continuation of the ceiling. So we wouldn't never normally have it drop down like this. And that's just to provide cover, A, for the person person at the binnacle, at yeah. the helm, uh, but also in the afternoons when the sun drops down like this, we, t we can actually drop this down and it, it acts as a good shade for yeah. you know, late afternoons. 
The ones on the side are always pinned at a 45 degree angle and yeah. tied to the guardrail. So, um, yes, that's what they are, but they've actually worked out quite well for this little studio. Yeah, setup. so it's for the purposes of uh, filming that we have them all dropped down. Yeah. And didn't somebody ask you actually about the camera setup as well? Because that's kind of part of the cockpit, isn't it? Yeah, so we've got uh, <clears throat> the GH5 my favorite camera we've got a sony a7c these are the two mirrorless cameras that are looking at us too <laughs> uh, but then we have a couple of gopros just as these are really just as backup and um, these uh, mirrorless cameras have stabilization but of course you turn them off when they're mounted on the tripods right. because if you have the stabilization on and a boat goes past we will look as if we're doing uh, moving backwards and forwards so anyway that's that's the camera setup okay so that's yeah. great so um sorry people listening we just thought we'd uh, better explain that because there are plenty of people that watch as well so the mono versus cats oh yeah <laughs> which was brought up by a number of viewers it's rumbled on a bit uh, well quite a lot actually and i'm not going to read them all out if you want to look at comments go to the youtube uh, video of 006 casting off and you can have a get involved in the debate just a couple of things uh, bill hannah i've been a mono man all my life um, i've owned a 30 foot tri and a 32 foot cat done a few thousand miles in them on a good day great on a bad well i had to change my underpants <laughs> that's never happened on a mono Nutted. Yes. <laughs> I thought I thought you would select that one. <laughs> uh, I got picked up on uh, an anecdotal uh, yes. story of a uh, of a catamaran being uncomfortable at anchor. Because you went on it once. Because I went on it once, <laughs> and uh, he's absolutely right. I can't remember who who made the comment, uh, but I was disappointed they took the bait because <laughs> really this whole cat versus mono thing. It's I wouldn't say it's clickbaity, but it is one of those contentious areas of discussion which are, uh, you know, which you have around the table of bollocks where there is never any agreement. Oh, well, it's, it's what's better, and chocolate or chips. They're yes, both great. Depends exactly. when you have them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and actually, you did come up with a clickbaity, uh, I think, the, the thumbnail where I said I hate cats. Yes. And of course, taken out of context, that could seem that I do hate cats. But of course, what yeah, I actually said that. was... I hate cats because they go so much bloody faster than monohulls. Right. So, yeah. you know, again, uh, taken out of context, that could mean the wrong thing. But yes, the cat versus mono thing is just, it will go on forever. Oh, I it'll think. go on in bars until yeah. the end of time. But you might be able to help somebody on FDB Mates. This is Hans, Hans Lellefeld. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see his comment? I didn't see his comment, but he has been commenting on our signal chat. So we do okay, have a okay. real-time signal we chat yes. with our FTB Mates and our yes. patrons. So if anyone uses Signal, which is like WhatsApp, uh, we've been keeping them right up to date and Hans has been commenting frequently. Yeah, so those guys are the kind of the closest to what we're doing all of the time. They get all kinds of stuff there. But he wrote on FTB Mates, um, under the um, under the video, he wrote, as an aspiring cruiser, you touched on two of the biggest questions we need to tackle, new versus old and cat versus mono. Mm. I find these two extremely difficult questions as there is so much to say for both and it depends on your personal situation, totally. Personally, when the day comes, I just want to be able to sail away without having to work in a boatyard for months on end and to be able to rely on the gear for the next years to come. So I guess for us, it's going to be new or almost new. And then he goes on to say, I'm a mono, go, mono guy, but I can see all the advantages of a cat. Now, I really wanted to, rather than talk about the mono 
and Kat, I wanted to talk about his comment about just wanting to be able to sail away without having to do anything. How would you answer that? Well, that's the dream, isn't it? Yes, it's not the reality, is it? That is the dream to sail away and over the horizon <laughs> and sip G&Ts. Yes. For sunset. five years, never have to touch the boat. Yes. Well, we know a number of people with new boats that have been marooned in boatyards and marinas immediately. Well, one, one couple I can think of bought a new boat and they have lived to regret it ever since because yeah. they've had nothing but problems with it. Yes. I mean, okay, that, was a, that wasn't a production line boat, that was a one-off or it was the first of a new series. Um, but yeah, there is, you know, I, th I think some of the more popular models, you know, the, the Benetos and what have you, I think you know what you're buying when you buy a new boat there and so they're kind of proven and you probably literally could just sail away after kitting it out with all the stuff that you need. Yeah. But the reality really is now you've got to stay on top of it. And as you can see, after 15 or so years of continual boat maintenance, things like the fridges still break down. Yes, and fridges can break down on any boat, doesn't matter how old or, or, or new it is. Um, one of the things we, we know, because we've met a lot of uh, super yacht crews over the years, many, many crew members on, on the big yachts, is that it's not the captain that's important, it's the chief engineer, because the engineer is, spends most of his time firefighting all the things that go wrong on boats. And a good engineer is worth his weight in gold, gets paid more than anyone else, and he is constantly working. And that's on super yachts. Mm. So, it, yes. I think the captain would disagree with that <laughs> statement. <laughs> I think Not they sure. would say that they are more important. But no, absolutely. Yeah. They are regarded as the creme de la creme when yeah. it comes to, to, to crew on, on those big boats. The engineer is always, he's up there, isn't he? He keeps the boat going. And yeah. from anything from the AC and the fridge to the engine and the, well, all of the things that uh, the engineers are involved in. So yeah, engineering is a massive part of cruising. Mm. So yeah, buy a new boat and have a year or so uh, of, of reasonable hassle, I hope, hassle-free sailing. Remember, of course, you do really need to haul it out perhaps once a year to check the bottom and to check all your fittings. But do keep the maintenance going, no matter how old or young your boat is. And your point, you know, about the, the Beneteau, Marion on uh, Patreon, Marion Stoneman, she's also looking to buy. And she, I noticed a slightly larger version of our Beneteau uh, on your Sabah Rally, and they headed back to Australia afterwards. Would you recommend buying something designed for blue water, or do you think this kind of um, boat is okay for cruising? What would you say? Well, I, I think uh, the armchair sailors, and even myself, I will admit, earlier on would have said blue water cruiser for yeah. offshore passages, because let's face it, they are more comfortable offshore yeah. in heavy weather. Esper doesn't really get going until we've got 12 knots plus and when she when she's in 20 or 30 knots she's happy as yeah. so there is that side of the argument but I think uh, Marion's uh, referring to Jason and Lee who yes. joined us who returned to Australia and Jason and Lee proved that a fast lightweight boat like a Beneteau can get you places far more quickly than we can than we can move and that uh, they can do it quite safely now how their boat performs in heavier seas, perhaps it's more skittish, doesn't matter, but they're hitting double figures. They're hitting 10, 12 knots, whereas we would be hitting eight knots. So in that respect, you could sail around the world in a bathtub as long as you were happy. Yes, oh yes, that's right. It, but it's the big ocean crossings, the mm. really like the Pacific or the Atlantic where 
you start to think, oh, maybe I should have a blue water. That's when you need the blue water, I think. And I think that's why people, they, you, you buy the boat defensively for the worst possible yes. conditions. This is true, but how much of your time is spent cruising offshore and how much of it is spent going up and down the coast? Mm. I mean, with hindsight, maybe we should have got a motor sailor. <laughs> We're doing yeah. so much bloody motoring around Over Southeast here. Asia. Mm. So, yeah, I think if you were to let's say you want to circumnavigate in two or three years which is quite quite a common thing there are a lot of people out there that might be on sabbatical that only have yes. three years to circumnavigate yes. then i would say probably a blue water cruiser because yes. you are spending so much time offshore if you just wanted to retire and bob up and down the coast yeah. and just do day sails then maybe a much lighter catamaran or a, a, a Beneteau. I think so. So if you're in Australia and you were going to come up to Southeast Asia and cruise around all of these places, even some of the Pacific Islands, I don't think you need blue water. Yeah. And similarly, if you're in Europe and you were just going to go around the, the Med and maybe offshore a little bit again. And then in America, if it's just the Caribbean you're going to, fine. I don't yeah. think you need one. I think it's another one of those subjects along with catamaran versus mono and what's the best anchor that will be endlessly debated yes. and um, I think we said it last week didn't we when you find the boat of your dreams you'll know. You do yeah. Right I think we better call it a day now. Yes. Because you've got a lot of work to do this afternoon. Oh yeah that damn fridge. I mean I don't know. Who knows. I mean at least I've got Ian to talk to. I have managed to get some internet connections, so I have been able to talk to the manufacturer as well. But uh, yeah, I've only got so much.